Good morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is unchanging in its truth, and we invite you to speak to us from it today. In Christ's name, amen. The, the public health crisis that we are all dealing with is in some ways forcing our culture to discuss a topic that I think many Americans would probably rather avoid. This is something that, you know, we don't like to talk about, we don't like to think about, makes us feel uncomfortable when people bring it up. So as a culture right now, we are being forced to think about death. I mean, we can't get away from it. Every day on the news, we see the numbers of those who have died. We see the projected numbers of those who, who possibly will die. We're just, we're being forced to, to look at death. And for many people, this is a cause of great um, anxiety and fear. And guys, this is one of the reasons why the Bible, the Bible is a fantastic resource for us. Uh, the, the authors of scripture will talk about death, um, but do, they do it in ways that are just straightforward and thoughtful and clear-headed. Ways that, that really give us tools to deal with this painful subject as we need to. And today's passage is an example of a place where the Bible does that for us. Romans uh, 8, 6 through 11, this is one of the lectionary readings for today. And in these verses, the Apostle Paul describes death in two ways. Or you could say this, he, he describes two kinds of death. And he tells us that in both of these kinds of death, the Spirit of God can give life to us. Uh, the, the first kind of death he discusses is, I guess, what you could call spiritual death. In this passage, the apostle calls it being, quote, in the realm of the flesh. And, and by that phrase, he's referring to the spiritual condition in which all of us are born. As, as members of a race that, since the days of Adam, has been in rebellion against the Creator, we, we are all we're born with something broken in our souls. We're born spiritually dead. God said in, in uh, Genesis 8, 21, he, he observed this about us. He said, every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Ephesians 2, verse 1 says we are, before Christ brings us to life, it says we are dead in our transgressions and sins. Verse 3 of that chapter says we are by nature objects of wrath. So we're, we're just born with this um, this deadness in our souls. And that doesn't mean we, we never do anything nice, doesn't mean we never have noble thoughts. It just, it just means that if we were left to our own, our own resources, our own strength, because we are so broken by sin, uh, we lack the ability to love God and follow God and obey God the way we were created to. We just can't do that. In this passage, the way that's expressed is, is you'll see it in verse 7. The, the apostle says this, the mind governed by the flesh, is hostile to God. There, there's this like innate antipathy against our Creator. It, he says, that this, the, the mind governed by the flesh does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. That's another way of saying that we are born spiritually dead. So just as a dead person cannot stand up and walk across the room, we cannot rise and follow Christ unless and until the Spirit of God brings life to us. In the passage we heard from Ezekiel 37, the prophet Ezekiel uh, had this vision where he is brought to this valley filled with, filled with death, filled with dry bones. And he's asked by God to prophesy, to preach to the bones. And even though, yeah, yes, the bones 
can come together. They can organize themselves into bodies when they hear this man preaching. Did, did you notice there's no life in them, no breath in them until the wind blows, until the breath, in Hebrew it's the same word for spirit, until the spirit blows and breathes life into them again. The Bible would say that we are, we are just like those bones. When we hear the word of God to a to a certain degree, we can respond, we can reorganize our lives, we can change you know, our outward behavior, but we cannot be truly alive to God until, until the wind of God's Spirit breathes life into us. There's an old hymn uh, that says, What are our works but sin and death, Lord, till thou thy quickening, thy life-giving Spirit breathe? I once read of a, a, a preaching class in a seminary, and every year in this preaching class, the professor would march all of his students out of the, out of the, uh, the, the classroom, down the street to the local cemetery, and as they stood among all the, all the graves there, he would turn to his students and say, now preach. Everybody, preach. <laughs> They'd say, what do you mean, preach? He'd say, preach the sermon you've been working on. Preach it to the tombstones. And, you know, awkwardly they would try to do this, and then they would, they would all walk back to the, to the seminary classroom wondering what they'd just done, and, and the professor would turn to them, and he'd say, listen to me, listen. Your preaching ministry will never accomplish anything more than it did today unless the Holy Spirit moves. Oh, only the Spirit can, can, can bring spiritual life to people. Verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is what? It's death. In our natural state, we, we're not alive to God. We, we, have, we have no real appetite for God's Word, no inner desire to please Him. We, we have no uh, true hunger for God's presence. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but here's the good news. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The Spirit of God is, is able to bring us to life, spiritual life, inside. This, this is a promise you see God making throughout Scripture that He will do this for His people. In the book of Deuteronomy, this is referred to as God circumcising your heart. How's that for an image? Je Jeremiah calls it God writing His law on your mind and on your heart so, so, so that the will of God for you is no longer just a bunch of external rules that you have to try to obey. It, it's now an, an inner guiding principle that, that, that drives you to follow the Lord. Ezekiel, in another place in his book, he, he refers to this as when God, when, when we have a heart that's just hard like stone and God takes away that heart of stone and he replaces it with a heart that's living and beating and able to live for him. So the, these are different ways it's promised. In John 3, here's what Jesus called this work of the Spirit. He said it's like being born again. It's a new you. So I, I wonder if, if this work of the Spirit has ever happened in your life. Have you, have you been born again? Now you might say, well, how would I know if I've been born again? That, that's a good question to ask. It's, it's not an easy one to answer. And uh, so you'll find that throughout church history, on different occasions, various Christian traditions have tried to supply, to supply their people with a simple answer so that they could know if they've been born again or not. Uh, one, one church has said uh, that regeneration, the new birth, regeneration happens at baptism. So if you've been baptized, you're born again. 
Others say, no, to, to be born again, you need, to, you need to have some kind of deep and emotional experience, preferably at a worship service. Uh, others have said, you know you're born again, you know you have the Spirit, if you what? If you speak in tongues. There are different ways to try to answer a good question. But it's what's interesting, when you look in the Scriptures, the, the, the Bible is never um, formulaic in its, its, uh, its description of the work of, of, of the Spirit. All right, it, it never just reduces it to kind of a simple formula. The fact that, as we read here, that the Spirit of God lives in you means that the, that the gift of the Spirit is very personal. It, it's, you could say it's sub, sub, subjective. There's no kind of one-size-fits-all formula to describe how people experience this. Verse, verse 9 says this, You are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If, if what? If you go to church? No. It doesn't say that. If you've been baptized? No. If you, if you speak in tongues? It doesn't say that. Uh, you're, you're, you're in the realm of the Spirit. If you never feel tempted, you never struggle with sin, it doesn't say that. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And, and I, think, um, I think what this is saying that is, if, if you sense within yourself a desire to know Jesus and trust Him, and an appetite for God's word. You're, you're interested in what God wants to say to you and a, and a longing inside to lead a life that would be pleasing to God. Okay, sometimes that desire might be pretty strong. Sometimes it might be very weak. But, but if it, it's there, it just won't go away. Listen, guess who put those longings and desires in you? You did not manufacture that yourself. This is the Spirit in you doing this. If, if, if the Spirit of God lives in you, Paul says, you're no longer in the realm of the flesh. You have been brought. Isn't this wonderful? You have been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life by the Holy Spirit of God. And this is why you trust Jesus. And some of you might be saying, well, I, I don't even think that has ever happened to me. If, if this, listen, if this hasn't happened to you, and yet maybe today you, you kind of wish it had happened to you. Even that wish that this had happened to you is I think probably the, be the beginning of the wind of the Spirit to blow in your heart. So what I would encourage you to do today, if, if, you, if you're not sure you've been born again, would you invite the Holy Spirit to do this for you now? Jesus said in, in Luke eleven thirteen, he said this, what a promise. He said, your Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So ask him. Well, one kind of death that we all, we're all born with, we all have to deal with, that, that the apostle talks about here is spiritual death. And the solution, the solution to that kind of death is the Holy Spirit. The second kind of death that, that we read here is uh, physical death. Just, just because people have been born again doesn't mean that their bodies will never die. We all, we all have to face death. And, and you know, Death didn't start with the coronavirus, right? This is, this is nothing new. In fact, in, in the last two weeks, I've been asked to perform two uh, funeral services, and neither of them had anything to do with the coronavirus. Death, death, listen, death has been a part of our reality ever since our first parents sinned against God. When Adam sinned, re rebelled against God, God said to Adam, uh, God said to Adam what would apply to all of us. He said, dust you are, and to dust you are you shall return. This is our reality. We all, we all will die. 
but the good news. For those who've been made alive by the Spirit and have turned to Christ in faith, death is not the end. This is, this is where I, were, I wish I were not preaching to a computer screen and I had some people here because I'm sure somebody would say amen to that. So let me repeat that. Maybe you'll say this amen in your home. For those who've been made alive, alive by the Spirit and have turned to Christ in faith, listen, death is not the end. Verse 10 says this, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life. Because of righteousness. Oh, because of whose righteousness? Yours? No. Because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, your Savior, that has been imputed to you by, by grace. The Spirit will give life to your body, even if it dies. Verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of, or you could translate that, through his spirit who lives in you. First, First Peter 3 verse 18 says, Christ was put to death in the flesh, but was made alive by the spirit. And we're reading here in Romans that just as the father sent the spirit to raise the body of his son from the grave and bring Jesus back to life in the same way, when Jesus returns, the father will send the spirit and raise our bodies from the grave and restore us to life as well. This is a mystery. We, we, can only, we can only barely imagine what this will be like. But the scripture is clear. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of, through his spirit. So just as the Holy Spirit of God can solve the problem of our spiritual death at the resurrection, listen guys, he will solve the problem of our physical death as well. He, he will bring life to our mortal bodies. Now, we might ask, does, does this mean that Christians shouldn't be afraid of dying? Um, yeah, yes and no. There, listen, there's an, appropriate, there's an appropriate fear of death that would move us to, to take uh, reasonable precautions in life. You know, precautions, not to get hit by a car when you cross the street, not to be exposed to, to illness. There's an appropriate fear of death that, that Christians might feel. So you know, don't beat yourself up and don't make fun of others if they're, if they're, if they're wrestling with some anxiety or this. Uh, so there's an appropriate fear of death. But listen, for those who are in Christ, and you might say this, those who have Christ in them through the Spirit, listen, for us, there is no need at all to be terrified by death in any way death has already been conquered by jesus through his death through his resurrection so listen for those who have jesus death is not the end in fact for those who have jesus death is the beginning some of you perhaps have read the uh, the series of uh, children's books by C.S. Lewis, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, at the, at the very last paragraph of the very last book. The book is called The Last Battle. After, after these children have all, had all kinds of adventures with, with Aslan, the lion, the Christ figure in, in, in the stories, they've, they've fought battles, they've faced dangers, they've, they've struggled with temptations, they've gone through long and, and harrowing sagas with, with Aslan. When, did, when you reach the very end of the last book, here's the way, here's the way C.S. Lewis wraps up his tales and brings them to an end. He says this, 
And for us, this is the end. But for them, the children, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has has ever read. The story which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's what it will be like when our bodies are raised and we enter into the new age, the new life that God will give us through the Spirit. The Spirit gives life. Let, let me close by reading uh, the, the, the words to a song that I love. You, do you know this song? Here are the words. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no human plan can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. My my brother, my sister, in the power of Christ, through the Spirit, we stand. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we pray that you would, through your Spirit, take the truths of your word Make them real, make them powerful, make them life-giving for each one of us. In the name of our great Savior, Jesus, we pray. Amen.